Hi, and welcome to the Millennial Preacher Podcast with your host, myself, Ryan Roberts. Today we're going to be talking about your calling, your gifting, your God-given destiny. It's going to be an interesting day. I'm going to share a very interesting story with you about my personal life, but more importantly, we're going to dive into what the Word says, and we're going to talk about your life. Maybe you're in the stage where you feel like you're living your dream. Maybe you're not even close. No matter where you're at on the scale, we're going to talk about it. So let's get going. What's up, everyone, and welcome to today's show. As I said in the beginning, I think today is going to be an interesting one for everyone, no matter where you're at in your life. Maybe you feel like you're walking out your dream. Maybe you feel like you don't even know what that means exactly. That's okay, because we've all been there. We've all been where we felt like we were doing exactly what we were supposed to do. And we've all been in a place where we feel like we have absolutely no clue, and we've been everything in between. I want you to act like we're sitting down for a cup of coffee. Imagine we're at your favorite coffee shop, whether it's a Starbucks, a Dunkin' Donuts, or a local place. And I want us to imagine we're sitting down talking over some espresso, and we're literally talking about our dreams. Have you ever had a dream? Perhaps are you probably have. Perhaps you probably have. You probably had one when you were a child. Maybe you wanted to be a fireman, police officer, nurse, doctor, teacher. And maybe something a bit more complicated. Maybe you wanted to be the kid that went to outer space. Maybe you wanted to be the kid that had magical powers or, or something along the, those lines. Maybe you wanted to be an artist. Maybe your dream was very achievable and maybe your dream was very far-fetched and out there. But odds are you've always had a dream. And I'm sure as you got older that dream changed. Maybe it changed altogether. Maybe it just altered to fit where you're at in your life. Perhaps my favorite quote that I've ever heard in my life, outside of any Bible verse, is this. You will spend the rest of your life either making someone else's dream come true or your own. The choice is yours. How profound is that? I want to tell you a little story about my dream and my calling. And I believe that through that, it's going to help you. This isn't an exhausted explanation. This isn't my full testimony. This isn't going to reveal all the secrets. There's no secret code, by the way, to become a pastor. There's no formula with steps one, two, three, A, B, C, and you're going to get whatever you want. There's there's no book you can buy to live your best life, despite what they may tell you on the front cover. There's nothing out there like that. Those things just do not exist. However, I do believe we can learn from other people's experiences. When I was in high school, I had a sort of identity crisis after graduating high school. I've talked about this in previous shows, but to give you a little bit of a refresher, if you haven't heard or if you can't remember, I was the popular kid. At least I felt like I was. I had a great group of friends. I dated some very beautiful girls. I hung out with the quote-unquote all the right people. I Went to the right parties. I did the right things to become popular. I did those things. I was a football player. I quote-unquote ran track, although I didn't do much running at all. However, I did those things. I was a weightlifter. I, I had a lot of fun in high school. High school was pretty easy for me, and maybe part of that was because teachers took it easier on athletes, or maybe it was just something that just came simple to me. There wasn't anything that difficult about high school except having to deal with certain people, cliques, and teachers. However, after high school, I had this loss of identity. I didn't know who I was. 
See, for, for four years of my life, my identity was wrapped up in the sport I played. If you ask me what I did, well, I played football for my high school. If you ask me what I did on the week-to-week to the daily, daily basis, it was mostly focusing on something athletic, trying to improve my skills, although I wasn't the very best player of all time. I wanted to keep up a certain facade. I wanted to keep up a certain truth as well. I wanted to look a certain way. I wanted to be physically fit and active, and uh, I wanted to be that guy. And so that's what my identity was. And so after high school, I decided that I was not going to go play ball in college. I did get a few small college offers, and I could have took them, and maybe my life would have been very different, but I decided that maybe, maybe that wasn't the right decision for various reasons. And so I did what the old saying is, if you can't do any more, teach. And I decided I wanted to be a high school football coach. In the back of my head, it wasn't for me, but there was a big part of me that thought this would be a route in life that would come easy and natural. I always felt like I had this leadership ability. I had pretty decent communication skills. I liked being the face of a certain institution or a certain organization. I'm just being honest and transparent with you. I liked those things. I liked people listening to me. I liked being the boss. And I figured this would be a quick way to get in and still have a connection to the sport that I loved. I would be able to spend time with teenage guys that were just like me, that wanted to, to, to do something special, that wanted to win ball games, that wanted to hang out and have a lot of fun, but more importantly, achieve recognition and title. And that's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to be a part of. And that's what I set out to do. And so I was on the right track to do that. I started coaching a little, little league team. I started helping out with my old high school and I jumped into the physical education program at my college. And so my plan was to major in physical education. The problem was, while everything looked wonderful on the service level, my life really was in shambles in a lot of ways. I had fallen into a lot of different patterns, sinful activities we'll call them. I fell into a lot of different things and I fell into what I know now as a depression. Now, I know that term is used so loosely. In today's world, it seems like everyone is depressed, and maybe maybe a lot of people are, but not everyone that claims a mental illness has a mental illness, and most people that have one have trouble admitting that they have one. But I believe I was in a real depression. I still went and did what I was supposed to do. I still followed through with my responsibilities. I still did those things, but secretly I hated my life, and I felt very destructive. I didn't care what happened to me anymore. I didn't care if I lived or if I died. I never tried to end my life, but to be perfectly transparent on this thing, I did plan on it. I did think about it. I did consider it. I didn't consider much of what it would do to others. I considered what it would do for me and that I didn't have to experience or worry with any of the things that I felt like I was dealing with. And it was the easy way out. I didn't know if God existed. I certainly didn't know if Jesus was real. I believed that it made sense that there was some type of God or higher power or something beyond our human understanding because this world just seemed far too complicated for it all to have just happened. But I certainly didn't believe in Jesus. And I felt like I had a pretty poor example of what Christianity is supposed to be in my life. 
church was there, denomination was there, but to me it was mostly a social club where people dressed really fancy and got yelled at for 30 minutes. And I didn't want any part in that. I didn't seem necessary. It didn't seem like anything that mattered. And so I kind of checked out of that whole world. But I, again, I always thought that it was very, very possible that God existed. I thought it was even possible that it was Jesus, but I wasn't quite sure. And I didn't think that we could be sure. And so for me, I started pondering those things, but I was able to tuck it away in the back of my head and put on this this facade, this mask that I was this all-American Christian guy, a uh, southern boy who wanted to do a certain thing, who loved football, loved my country, and loved where I was from. And that was the facade that I put up. And some of those things were true, but a whole bunch of it was a mask that covered pain. And in my mind, pleased the people in my life. And so that's what I was. And there was no true identity found in that. In fact, not being a Christian, I did have a destiny. The final destination would have been death, hell, and the grave. You don't have to believe that if you don't want to. But I'm telling you, from someone that lived that life, that didn't live this quote-unquote goody-goody perfect Christian life, I believe that I was headed straight for real destruction and that if I had died, I would have went to a place called hell, a place that you can never escape from, a place that was dark, tragic, terrible, and the most tragic thing of all, there is no God. There is no way to get God's grace in hell. Eventually, I grew weary of masking it. I filled up all of my time with activities college work and football and of course those seem like pretty typical normal things but I did everything I could to keep myself from going home I hated my family and many of them were dealing with their own issues and I'm not going to go into that however I did everything I could to keep myself busy because I did not want to be all alone with my thoughts I filled my time with alcohol I filled my time with other things and addictions. I filled my time with an awful, terrible place that I found myself in. And that was the place that I was destined, destined to be in because of the choices I made. Finally, one night, I found myself on my hands and knees on my bedroom floor. It was January. It was cold, lights were down low, and I was trying to read a Bible that I had got at FCA football camp a couple of years before. It had devotionals in the back of it, and so I didn't quite know where to turn or what to read or what to do. However, it was kind of a sense of comfort, and I tried to read it. I can't tell you what I read about. I don't remember the Bible verses. I don't remember any of those things, but I just remember reading it. I remember closing the book. I remember bowing down. And I remember giving God a laundry list of things I wanted fixed in my life. I remember pouring out my heart, telling him all the things that I wanted gone, all the things I wanted to come my way. I told him all about the depression. I told him all about all the issues I was facing, but there were certain things that I wanted to keep. And I heard a voice. It was not audible, and I can't explain it very well, but I heard a voice that said, I can't answer your prayers because you never lived for me. 
obviously at that moment I knew that I was obviously communicating with God and because I was praying in Jesus name I knew that it was Jesus that night I met him and I'll never forget I'll never forget my next words I don't know what that means I don't know what to do but I will live for you and that night things changed forever hi everyone I hope you're enjoying today's show I want to take just a moment and invite you to next week's show here at the Millennial Preacher Podcast. I'm going to be interviewing Pastor Paul Milligan. Pastor Paul is a senior pastor of the Ed's Church in Gainesville, Georgia. He's a husband, he's a father, and he's a millennial. He's on the latter end of the millennial scale, and I believe he brings something very interesting to the table. We're going to be talking a lot about local outreach and what the church should be doing for the community today. I believe he has a message specifically to the millennial generation and maybe those a little bit older, so be sure to tune in next week. Until then, let's get right back to today's show. After confessing to the Lord and what I know now is repentance and trusting and believing in Him, I heard the same audible voice tell me to start a Bible study in my parents' basement. Can you imagine the thought that went through my head when I felt like God wanted me to do that? But, after all, I just told him that I was going to live for him, so I decided that it was time to start doing things his way, not my way. So, I posted on Facebook that I was going to host a Bible study at my house that Friday night, and three people showed up. Fast forward a little bit of time, and there was 32 people in a basement having what I now know is called house church. I began searching for a pastor, a spiritual father, that I could sit under to sort of apprentice, to, to learn some things, to, to learn how to pastor, how to love people, how to, how to do ministry. And, and, and not only that, I, I completely shifted my whole entire life. I shifted my study. I shifted how I went to school. I shifted everything. Now listen, nothing became perfect. I didn't wake up with angels flying down to put on my pants in the morning. That didn't happen. Every little thing didn't get perfect, but things were different because there was a reason and there was a hope in Jesus. And I believe my destiny changed. Now I have a God-given destiny because I'm a brand new creation in Christ. And I believe that destiny is to complete my assignment that he's given me specifically and to one day come face to face with him. And I believe that the Lord would have his very best for me and for you. And I believe and pray that one day I'll come face to face with my Lord and hear job well done, my good and faithful servant. I pray that with all of my heart. I'm going to fast forward through a lot of the years after that. And I'm going to bounce to a certain time period in my life when I started serving and interning at a specific church with a specific group of people. During the first couple of years of that experience, I didn't know that that I had made the right decision or not. I, I felt like I did, but I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure that I was ever going to get to a higher place of ministry or not. But I had this dream that I believe was a God-given dream. In the dream, I was in a tattoo chair. And a man that I recognized as Jesus was tattooing my heart. Beside me was my two pastors that was helping to raise me up. And I'll never forget the feeling of God tattooing my heart. It, it wasn't a painful 
feeling, but it was painful emotionally because everything within me felt like it was wrong, that I wasn't ready, that it wasn't the right time. And I'll never forget. The Lord pulled his pen away and he looked at us and he said, I'll finish it later. I'm halfway done. I'll finish the rest later. And I woke up. I woke up in tears. I didn't know what that meant. I knew that I had a lot of more work to do. There was a lot of things that I was doing that I shouldn't have been doing. A lot of things that I needed to do that that I needed to be doing more of. And, and there was so much. See, you can only get so much training from a classroom. You can only get so much out of a Bible study. You can only get so much from a small group. Those things are all important. But if you really want to be in ministry, if you really want to be marked as a minister, a pastor, then you have to experience things in a certain way that nobody can ever teach you, that nobody can ever tell you about in fullness. That's why I say there's no formula. There's no step-by-step cookie cutter that if you do this, you'll get to be a pastor, you'll get to be a minister. That's just not the way this works. I want to rewind a little bit. Before I got to that church, before that dream, I was sitting in a very large mega church. I loved the church. It was a lot of fun. It was wonderful services, things like that. And I had just decided to turn that Bible study that I told you about earlier into a house church with a good friend of mine who decided to partner with me. We sat in the middle of a church service in this large mega church auditorium. It was us and about 3,000 other people. But the pastor stopped in mid-service, in mid-sentence, and said that the Lord had told him there were a couple of guys that was starting out their ministry journey, and he had to pray for them right then, and he was going to count to three, and then he wanted those two guys to come down to the front. Me and my friend looked at each other. It was one of those moments where it felt like the pastor was staring directly at us, and maybe he was. We just knew that we were going to go down there. We geared ourselves up. And as he said, one, two, three, we both got up. And then we realized there was also about a thousand other young men who got up at the same time. I kind of laughed about it, but I was also kind of disappointed. See, here's the thing. The term pastor, the the field of ministry, if you will, the profession of being a minister of any kind, it looks really good. It looks sexy, even. It looks like something that anybody would want. There's power, there's authority, there's a title. You get a really fancy office. You get to stand up in front of a group of people. You boss people around. You get all of those things. But the truth is, that's not really what ministry is. Sure, there's some of that. But the bulk of it is really hard. See, when you're a true minister, when you're a true man or woman of God, you experience some of the greatest things that very few people ever get to experience. You're the first person that someone calls when they want to get married. You're the first person someone calls when the baby's born. You're you're the person that gets to baptize somebody's child. You get to pray for people in their most intimate and delicate moments of life. You get to know their entire history and all the dark areas that they would never tell anyone else in their lives. And you get to be there for those moments. You're the greatest person in the world, quote unquote, in those moments. But also, 
Also, you're the most hated person when things go wrong. You're the person who gets blamed when there's too much money going out in one direction. You're the person who gets fussed out or yelled out if you accidentally forgot a birthday party, a dedication, a graduation, or if you didn't go to the hospital. You're the person that everybody gets mad at if you didn't call them. You're the person that gets fussed out if somebody stole someone's seat. And you oftentimes never get to really be the friend. Those same people that ask you to be there for everything oftentimes are the same people that leave your church, leave your ministry, and never say a word to you about it. See, being a pastor is the best, worst job in the world. But there's an awful lot of people that look at all these big names and all these fancy titles and the microphone and the stage, and they want to do it. And maybe, maybe that's not even their calling. Maybe it is, but they'll never sacrifice to actually get that platform. See, I've been in ministry at this point for about eight years, almost nine years. I say I've been in ministry. I've been in ministry, but not as a profession. I've done various things. I've I've done street evangelism. I've preached to large crowds, small crowds, everything in the middle. I've started Bible studies, small groups, youth ministries, and house churches. I've been a part of the church plant that had no money in the world. I've been a part of the big church that had all the money in the world. And I've been a part of the middle ground church that was just trying to keep things going. I've seen it and I've done it. And I thank God for those things. But it wasn't until this past year, eight years later, six years into the dream happening, that I actually received the fullness of that dream. I received my ordination. Now, let me say this. A piece of paper means nothing. It may be a symbol. It may be a de- declaration. It may be public acknowledgement. But a piece of paper really means nothing. And we very casually give out awards and pieces of paper for all sorts of different things. And that doesn't mean very much. doesn't carry very much weight. But it's what was behind that piece of paper that really mattered. It really mattered a lot because there were lives that were on the line during that time period. There were there were lives that were changed and altered and developed during that time. There were new things, fresh things. There was wondrous things, wonderful signs and wonders. And there was also terrible tragedy and hard moments. There were a lot of tears a lot of anger, a lot of disbelief, but there were also a lot of times of faith and gloriness that raised and rained down from heaven. That piece of paper is just a piece of paper. Yeah, it may hang on my wall. I may put it in a frame with some glass. It may look really cool. But at the end of the day, that piece of paper is not really the ordination, but rather there is a mark that I believe that is internal, a mark on my soul, the deepest parts of me that nobody else will ever truly get to see, the parts of me that that are only slightly opened to those that earn the right to be there. See, I believe that I was tattooed. I was marked, marked to be a pastor. And I'm no one special, but God says I'm the most special in the room. And he says the same thing about you. 
I don't know what your calling is. Maybe your calling is to be a pastor as well. Maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe you feel like you need to be a nurse. Well, my God, be the very best nurse in the entire world. Strive for greatness. Don't be superficial. Don't be prideful. Don't be arrogant. But don't doubt. Don't walk in disbelief. Don't don't walk in anything less than what you deserve. And some of the best advice I could give to anybody, no matter what stage of life they're in, never, ever, ever settle. See, I believe, I believe wholeheartedly that when you become a Christian, God gives you a brand new identity. And with that new identity, I believe you have a new destiny. Each of us have a job to do in the kingdom of God, and each of us have a job to do that I believe will overlap into our everyday lives and into our church life. I want to read Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For it's just as each of us are one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts in accordance with the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. See, we all have a gift and we all have a destiny. We all have a job to do. We all have a life to live. Each of us have an incredible, incredible opportunity to serve our God. But just like the Bible verse says, we don't have to do it in the right way. We can do our job in the wrong way, and we may never truly reach our full potential. So, no matter if you're the businessman, the mechanic, the doctor, the lawyer, the preacher, the evangelist, no matter what you may be, who you may consider yourself, walk it out, and walk it out with not a chip on your shoulder, but walk it out with a little pride in your step, for you, my friend, are serving the King. Can I pray for you? Father, I'm so very thankful for the opportunity to share this story. God, it is not my story, but yet it is the story of you. Lord, I'm just a small piece, a little chapter in a great big giant book. And I am so thankful for that. God, I pray, Lord, that I will never think that I am higher than what I am. For I am a willing bondservant to God. And I say, thank you, Lord. I pray, God, that this story, my story that I got to tell, Lord, it will remind somebody of their gifts and their calling. I pray that it will encourage somebody to move forward in whatever area and arena that they're in, God. God, whether they're, they're serving in church, in the field, outside of church, or both, I pray they will do so in fullness and reach their God-given potential. Because I believe that is your very, very best. Lord, we say thank you. God, encourage us. Lift us up. 
And may we build up one another so that we may serve you even better. God, I love you. And again, I say thank you. Thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You've just listened to the Millennial Preacher Podcast with Ryan Roberts. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Share with all of your friends and family, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Look for brand new episodes of this podcast every Thursday. Until then, we'll see you later.